0: Hey guys, this is Colin, and welcome back to the One Reality Podcast. And in today's episode, we are talking about once saved, always saved, or eternal security, or can you lose your salvation? This is a very important topic, and a topic that's discussed uh, quite often in just about every church. It's a very popular topic. A lot of times it comes up when someone falls off. or gets uh goes into deep sin uh they sometimes ask themselves and they feel guilty and they wonder if they're still saved if they're still Christian after falling into all this sin and then this is where this topic and this conversation usually comes up uh, so let's get into it uh let's not dilly-dally so the this is the main thing with one saved always saved what it comes down to is... Basically, what's required for salvation. And and this is the thing. If you don't have to remove sin out of your life in order to be saved, then adding sin to your life won't affect your salvation. If you don't have to stop sinning in order to be saved... But obviously, continuing to sin won't affect your salvation. If it truly is just faith alone and you don't have to do anything else besides faith, then sin can't affect salvation. However, if you have to turn from your sins, if you have to repent in order to be saved, then then you can lose it. If sin comes back into your life because the requirement for salvation was to repent, was to turn from your sins, therefore if you go back into sin, you are no longer meeting that requirement and then would be guilty. So what does the Bible show us? Do you need to get sin out of your life in order to receive the mercy of God? Or is it just faith alone, and then once you're saved, you know, you slowly start to get sin out of your life, but it never really gets removed? Which I'd encourage you to watch our video, Why People Continue to Sin, uh, if you believe you're going to be a sinner all the way till the day you die. Uh, very important podcast we did uh, just before. But I want to get into a few passages here with you, just to show you uh, some of the passages I believe point to that sin has to get out of your life in order to receive the mercy of God, and if sin gets back into your life, you no longer have the mercy of God. It is conditional on the fact that you get sin out of your life. And you may disagree with me, but let me present these passages, uh, study them, and take a look at them. Uh, The first passage I want to bring up is an Old Testament passage, Jonah chapter 3. To those of you who are not familiar with the story of Jonah... Uh, God tells Jonah to preach to the city of Nineveh because it was very wicked. Uh, in the story, Noah rebelled against God. Uh, Noah got, uh, eventually ended up in the belly of a whale uh, because of, uh, or at least in the belly of a great fish, uh, because he disobeyed God. Uh, then he prayed for God for mercy. God uh, spit, jo- um, the whale, whale or great fish spit Jonah out of, uh, his mouth, and then God tells Jonah again, go and preach to these people, and that's where we are here in Jonah chapter 3. I'm starting in uh, verse 4 here, and it says, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown, period, Not, it's going to be overthrown, but if you'll just, you know, come back to Jesus, you'll be saved. Or if you just say you're sorry and ask for forgiveness, then God will forgive you. Jonah's message had no forgiveness, no mercy, no grace, no nothing. His message was, in 40 days, you guys are getting destroyed because you are wicked. No mercy was involved in this message. But let's look at how Nineveh responds. This is verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not. And then here is the truth, I believe, in verse 10. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. So what can we learn from this passage? These people were wicked, and they were under God's wrath. They were under his judgment. God was going to kill these people. Yes, the lovey-dovey God that, you know, the church makes him out to be. Yeah, God said, no mercy, I am going to kill you. That was was the message he had Jonah preach to them. But the people of Nineveh proclaimed the fast. They wouldn't eat food. They wouldn't even drink water. They were on their faces, praying to God for mercy, hoping that just perhaps, they don't know if he will or not. They're saying, if perhaps God will turn, perhaps he will still have mercy on us, even though we don't deserve it. And it was commanded that they turn from their wicked ways, that they stop the violence that is in their hands. The king commanded, we must stop our sinning. We must stop our evil. We are going to pray. We're not going to eat food. We're going to eat water. We will. We are going to stop. We're going to make this change. We're going to make this 180. And we hope that God will make a 180 and turn away from his wrath and give us mercy. And what we see from verse 10 is that God saw not their faith alone. It says, and God saw their works. That they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil, and he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. It was their works, the works of the Ninevites, the work of turning from their sin, getting the sin out of their life, and that is when God gave them mercy. When sin got out of their life, God gave them mercy. Now, what would happen... After God gave them mercy, what what would happen if they went back to sin? Are they still once saved, always saved after doing that? By allowing sin back into their life out of getting rid of it? The Bible answers this uh, for us as well in Ezekiel 18, verse 24. Ezekiel 18, 24. It says this, But when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity, And doeth according to all the abominations that the wicked man doeth, shall he live? Is he still going to have mercy? It says, all his righteousness that he hath done shall not be mentioned. In his trespass that he hath trespassed, and in his sins that he hath sinned, in them shall he die. It even says later in Ezekiel 18 here, um... Reading from uh, verse 30, it says, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. So we see if you're righteous, you know, you've already turned from your wicked ways and if you go back into that sin, are you going to live? It says all that righteousness is forgotten. It's no longer mentioned. And in those sins you have sinned, and in them you will die. Now, some might say that, oh, this is Old Testament. It doesn't apply. And the people who say the Old Testament doesn't apply, they're literally ripping out more than half of their Bible, because more than half of the Bible is the Old Testament. Nowhere in scripture does it say the Old Testament doesn't apply. The Old Covenant doesn't apply, but the Old Covenant is not the entire Old Testament. There is much we can learn uh, from the Old Testament. For example, in Nineveh, the Ninevites weren't Jews. I don't think there's any evidence that the Ninevites were Jews. The Ninevites were a separate people. Yet what they had to do is turn from their wicked ways, and they will be saved. Now here's the question that we need to find out, or the answer we need to find out. Do we see the same message in the Old Testament, like with Jonah chapter 3 and Ezekiel 18? Do we see the same message that you have to get sin out of your life in order to be saved in the New Testament? I believe the answer is yes. Let's take a look at a few of these passages. I just thought of this one because in the last uh, podcast I was quoting it, but I want to quote it here because I think it speaks very clear. This is Matthew chapter 5. I want to go to here. Matthew 5, uh, starting in verse 28. This is going to be Matthew 5, 28 through 30. But I see unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if I right I offend thee. Pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Let me just know, when it's saying that if your eye offends you, your hand or your foot offends you, Um, the offend is sin. If your hand causes you to sin, if your eye causes you to sin, that's what it's talking about. So if your eye causes you to sin, Jesus says, pluck it out and cast it from you. Why? He explains, because it'd be better for you that one of your members perish than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Why would your whole body be thrown into hell if you keep the eye that's causing you to sin? Let me say that one more time. Why would your whole body be thrown into hell if you keep the eye that's causing you to sin? It's because sin leads to hell. The wages of sin is death. If your eye causes you to sin, then you have sin in your life, it will lead to hell. That is why it's better to pluck your eye out, remove the sin from your life, because that is what re- is required in order to enter into heaven. The sin has to be removed. You have to repent, you have to turn from that sin. This is why it's better to cough your hand and your foot. Why? Because if you keep the hand and foot that's causing you to sin, that sin will lead you to hell. If you remove the hand and foot that's causing you to sin, then you won't be sinning and you will be saved. You will be righteous. I'm not saying you can be righteous by your own doing and that you don't need Jesus. Don't take it that way. It is when we obey Christ that his blood washes away our sin. Like 1 John 1 7 talks about it says if we walk in the light or walk in righteousness as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another in the blood of jesus christ his son cleanseth us from all sin when we walk in righteousness and walk in the light that's when god forgives our sin you know it wasn't you know just going back to jonah 3 to explain this a little better the ninevites didn't save themselves They were saved by their works. They got mercy because of their works. That's what verse 10 says in Jonah chapter 3. But that doesn't mean they saved themselves. All they did was meet the requirements that God expected of them in order to receive mercy. Even though God said, you know, I'm going to destroy you guys. And God can have mercy on whom he wants to have mercy. But because he saw them turn from their sins, he gave them mercy. And it's the same today. It's not a works, salvation all by yourself, and you don't need Jesus, and the cross is pointless. No. The blood is applied to those who obey. As Hebrews 5.9 says, he's the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Let's get into some other passages here in the New Testament. Talking about... Once saved, always saved. Can you lose your salvation? Uh, one important passage I want to get into here is First Corinthians six nine through ten, which is commonly brought up again. If you have to remove sin out of your life to be saved, then adding sin to your life will obviously remove that requirement. And that's what we see here. First Corinthians six nine through ten. Paul says this to the believers. He says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. All those people on that list will not inherit the kingdom of God. And there are many of these passages around the Bible. There are many passages where, like Galatians 5, 19 through 21, that goes through a whole long list of things that, if you do these, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Revelation 21, 8 is another one of these lists. Ephesians 5, 3 through 5 is another one of these lists. They have these throughout the Bible where it says if you are in these sins, you you know, you've committed them, you won't enter heaven. Because heaven is holy. The requirement to enter is to be holy. Even looking at Revelation, you know, the last book of the Bible, you go to the very last chapter, Revelation 22, you go to verse 14, you see how to enter the gates into heaven. It says, Revelation 22, verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So how do you get into the city? It's those who are doing his commandments. They have the right to the tree of life and they may enter in through the gates into the city. Only the obedient are entering. And let me finish with this passage here. This is a first John chapter three. First John three verses uh, seven through nine. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So we see in verse seven, he that doeth righteousness is righteous. Not he who just believes you have to do what is right in order to be righteous. You can't be called righteous while being a sinner. That's calling good, evil, and evil good. It's he who does what is right is righteous. And he that's committing sin, it says you're of the devil. And if you are born of God, if you are born again, you're not committing sin. These passages destroy the one saved, always saved side. Sin has to be removed for salvation. Holiness is required. Hebrews twelve fourteen says, Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You have to be pure. You have to be holy. You have to remove the sin out of your life in order to be saved. And if that sin gets back into your life, What does the Bible say? The wages of sin is death. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. He that sins is of the devil. You can lose your salvation. You can lose your right standing with God. But be like the people of Nineveh. Have godly sorrow that works repentance unto salvation. Stop sinning. Live holy. And receive mercy. We'll see you guys in the next episode.